Hi, I'm Isa Kwonga. And I'm Ryan Hun. And we co-host Stadio, a football podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. If you like soccer or football, make sure you search for Stadio, a football podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together learn more about the all-new hyundai santa fe at hyundaiusa.com hello and welcome to group chat i am justin barrier and joining me today the new owners of the phoenix suns we have big waz chairman of the board rob mahoney second governor whatever that is welcome gentlemen i I can think of no greater reason for the season than giving us a four billion dollar enterprise free of charge right like that seems like a responsible thing to do you guys can afford it your talent at at spotify now listen (laughs) listen listen um happy for that dude who took those terrible layups for michigan state in garbage (laughs) time and his family uh I hope he hires some competent people and powers the right people. I think James Jones and them has done a great job. Monty Williams, um, you know, the job of the owner, as I tell people, is to empower people who know what they're doing and pay. So hopefully he can do those two things. Well, especially when you watch the Suns these days, they seem like a team that might need some work on the court too. Um, well, we'll see, we'll see about all that. Mateen Cleaves. SVP of, of basketball ops. I'm for it. <laughs> yeah, bring the whole Flintstones back. Um, Mo Pete, get him up in there. Bring everybody back. Uh, well, we look forward to, to your decisions here uh, once you guys officially enter the board. So uh, on today's episode, we're going to get into some suggestion box. Keep sending in your replies to suggestion box GC at gmail.com. We are going to do an NBA Christmas shtick. We're going to be doing NBA Festivus, so stay tuned for that. But first, uh, I want to talk about the Knicks uh, because I've been silently tracking them for a couple days, weeks now, (laughs) just waiting for the bottom (laughs) to fall out. Uh, But it doesn't seem like it's happening, and so I feel like we have to talk about it now. Uh, Was your New York Knickerbockers are now winners of eight in a row, blew the Warriors off the court. That the game was pretty much over in the first quarter last night. Uh, what the hell is going on here? Uh, and do you do you believe in New York yet again? First of all, let me just say this: Go New York, go New York, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a couple of things is happening. I read Fred Katz the other day about the streak. He said they've got the fourth best starting lineup um, as far as point differential is concerned in the NBA right now. I think that is a great sign. Their bench unit is blowing the doors off of people, led by my man Jericho Sims and Hartenstein. Uh, they're they're manning a bench unit that is dominating people on defense, very reminiscent of another Tibbs team which is that 2010-2011 Chicago Bulls team that their bench unit was led by Omer Ashik and another New York City legend, Taj Gibson. Like, they were, you know, they had a bench unit that was given up, I want to say, like, a 77 defensive rating. They were, like, breaking records with that bench unit. And a lot of people, 
you know, they don't remember this, but that Bulls team was just, they were clobbering people on defense. Derrick Rose is their best offensive player. They ended up having the best record in the league. He quite stupidly got the MVP, famously. But um, that team was incredible on defense, and, and their bench mob was a big, big point in that. And I think there's just good vibes, you know? Um, these guys are playing for each other. They're playing unselfishly, which is a theme that I hit on all the time here because I'm an old fogey. But, man, um, Barrett is starts slow every single season. Like, literally, he hasn't had a good start to a season his whole career, but he's starting to round into shape. Obviously, obviously, the Jalen Brunson signing might be the signing of the summer. Uh, I Like, he's just fitting so seamlessly in both the leadership category and just what they needed on the court. Right, um, just a toughness, and um, just he's beating people. I, I, I don't know, man. Like it's all coming together for them. And even Julius Randle, I watched him horse Draymond Green last night on numerous occasions, where he just put him on his back and said, "Come take a ride, little guy." It, it, it's crazy um, watching these guys play right now. It's it's pretty fun, actually. Yeah, I think that's the important part. Like for people like us, it's fun to watch the Knicks again. Like this is a yes. team that's impressive and admirable to watch. And a lot of that starts with the fact that they are committing on defense in a way that they were not earlier in the season. And some of that is Tom Thibodeau pulling the right levers and getting some very Tibbsy guys into the rotation. Like it would not surprise me if by the end of the season, like Quentin Grimes is leading the league in total minutes played. Like he has just become that kind of guy for this team. But also it's just the level of buy-in it's something that's so easy to admire, that's so easy to respect. It's guards chasing rebounds. Like it, I just don't think we've seen any other team show as much improvement from the beginning of the season to now on defense in terms of basic execution, basic commitment, second effort kind of stuff than the Knicks. And it's made them so much more fun to watch. I cannot express to you how much of a drag this team was to watch in the first 10 games and the complete contrast in seeing them play now where... They they believe it. Like they believe that they can play and they can win this way. And that goes that goes such a long way. Yeah. I think the key is none of the old Tibbs guys are in the rotation anymore. Like yeah. all those players that Waz mentioned from the 2011 12 Bulls, <laughs> they're no longer suiting up for the Knicks, which you couldn't have said as recently as a couple weeks ago. Taj Gibson is gone. Derek Rose is on the bench. He's already taking goodbye tours in Chicago. Like credit Tibbs. Or I guess maybe credit the front office for fr finally reaching Tibbs to basically be like, you need to change things up. You need to let the young guys play out there. And like you look out, out on the court and it's like, it looks like it makes sense. Like the starting five, it you no longer grown because you have like an Evan Fournier sticking there for some reason. And they have to make up those minutes with the bench. And Quentin Grimes is like hitting threes. I don't know like how viable that is for an entire season, although he has about 70 he, games I worth of data. Shoot. Yeah, solid shooter. Yeah, and so it's like, it's not perfect, but it just makes a lot of sense, it, which you couldn't say, say about the Knicks for pretty much most of the Tibbs reign, uh, at very least since uh, the, the playoff appearance. And so I am optimistic, I guess. Uh, whether or not I'm buying it long-term, I guess, is the real question, because they are sixth in the East right now, which puts them ahead of some other teams that I think we expected to be a little bit better, the, the Hawks, et cetera. Um, like, I guess, was like, how much are you buying this? Do you think they're viable as like a top six East team or is this more probably ultimately a play-in team still? I think, I think what's important about the streak is that... The streak, it already has a name. Capital T, capital S. <laughs> streak sanity. Um, I think what's most <laughs> important about the streak is that players need to see success doing things the way the coach is asking them to do it. And so it's one thing to be like, oh, we're, we're a floor burns team. We're, you know, we're a mud in the dirt and fingers in the dirt type of team. <laughs> we, you know, it's one thing to say that and to ask guys to do that to little or no results. When you win, when you succeed in the way that the coach is asking you to succeed, that's when you get buy-in. And that's when I think you'll see a consistency in the effort they're putting towards their defense, as Rob mentioned. So, yeah, I think once these guys believe that they can guard people for real, doing things the way Tibbs has asked them to, 
Um, I think it's great. And, you know, another part of it is, again, guys like Sims, guys like Grimes, they're not established dudes. They haven't gotten big contracts in the NBA. They're making a name for themselves. So they're incentivized to go out and kill themselves on a night-to-night basis. And also, they're young guys, so they can do it, right? Um, We're going to get into some of my gripes um, during our Festivus segment. But, like, honestly, I think part of why AD got hurt, he can't go balls to the wall every single game. He's just mm-hmm. not there. One, he's just a fragile dude. Two, he's damn near 30. He's not the type of guy who can do that on a game-to-game basis. These under-23 guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. Run them, run them ragged. They can, they can do it, and they're believing, and I think that's what we're going to see from the Knicks. Why you got to call out us fragile dudes like that? <laughs> you know? I'm a soft guy. Leave me I'm alone. I'm talking about physically, not emotionally okay. and mentally. Right. We know. We, we like softness. We love to tap into that <laughs> side of ourselves and our, and our masculinity, Rob. I promise you. Okay. I just, wanted, I just wanted to clear that up. My takeaway from your whole thing there was basically you could run the guy, the young guys 40 minutes out there because they have fresh legs. You, know? you basically just need to keep giving Tibbs more, more human. The Tibbs model. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's working. It's absolutely working. And like that's, that's where the, the parameters of your question are important, Justin. Because if you're asking me, can the Knicks be a top six team this season? I think the answer to that is yes. And that is the level of commitment they've shown so far, the fact that they're winning with things like rebounding, like they're just a dominant rebounding team. That's something that's very easy to replicate. Maybe the most replicable skill. Is this a team that I trust as like a three-year model? Not really. Is this a team that I see a path to them becoming a championship contender? I I don't really know, short of like a huge swing for a, a big star. Yeah. So that's where like we get hung up, right? And we talk about like what this team ultimately needs and why sometimes we sound pretty down on them. It's all about the, the the duration and the extent of what we're talking about. Yeah, they can be a good playoff team this year. There's no doubt about that. Can, can the Knicks get to a team that wins a playoff series two years in a row? I'm saying get to the second round twice in a row. Once. That's a good outcome. Before we start doing championship in this with them. Get out the first round a year or two in a row. And then like we can start talking about this other stuff. Yeah, devil's advocate, you could say just showing competency might matter more in a market like New York than it would elsewhere, where it's like maybe someone can convince themselves like, oh, Grimes is young, Sims is young. We have enough here. If I just come in and add what I do to this existing core, like we will be a lot better. Um, But I think, Rob, you kind of hit on the key point there. I do wonder, let's say if their goal is just waiting desperately for a star to, to come and want to play in New York, like, are there any things you would do in the immediate before this year's trade deadline to increase your chances this year? Like, are you making a short-term move, especially because you made all these trades during the draft for these draft picks? I don't know what you're going to do with them other than just sit on them and watch them uh, mature 5% every year, I guess uh, you hope. Uh, would you, reach for a guy like a Kuzma or someone like, like that or whoever it is that could add to what you already have in order to make maybe like a mini run this year? I think you would need to be pretty certain about that player's level of buy-in, both in the way you play and in just the very fact of being there. Like, say you trade for Kyle Kuzma, for example, and he, as he's made pretty clear, like really wants to be in California and he just doesn't really feel like being a Nick. I'm just saying all this hypothetically. Like, that's that'd be kind of a bummer in this rotation where you're getting, you know, you're getting, like, Deuce McBride digging in on every possession and, like, playing his heart out, and then you have this version of Kyle Kuzma that doesn't even want to be there. Like, that can be a drag on the entire situation. So you need to be pretty sure they want to be there. The fact that you are New York and you are the Knicks, I think there's, that's attractive to a lot of players. But yeah, you got to be certain, and the chemistry of this is so delicate. Like... You finally have triangulated a really nice balanced offense between Randall and Barrett and Brunson. I'd be very careful about upsetting that. Like that that is kind of where you are right now. I would let that ride and see what it is and see if you can settle and kind of uh crystallize some of what you've built before I would look at, oh, we need to make a even a significant swing for a really good player. You're talking about it like it's the Earth's global temperature. 
You just really need to to pay attention to make sure you I do mean, everything I, right here. But, but that's the thing, though. Like, with, with the, the the because the fit isn't so clean on this team. It's not as if these parts fit seamlessly, like a like a puzzle, right? Um, it's they're making it work, uh, and and there's some complications to that, right? And so if you tweak tweak it or tinker with it even a little bit, Rob's right. You can upset the balance. This isn't. This isn't a perfectly matched up, synced up roster. Like, you can't say that enough when you talk about, you know, where guys like Randall and RJ like to operate, which we've mentioned trillions of times. And even to a certain extent, Brunson. Brunson likes to mix it up in the paint, right? Um, Where these guys like to operate and how they're making that work, you know, it, it could be complicated by bringing in a Kuzma who wouldn't be happy. But although... I will say this about Kuzma, man. He's been in a freaking consummate pro throughout the duration of his career, right? Like, he was this 20-point-per-game score or whatever, as inflated as that number was. The the kind of team changes around him dramatically. He turned himself into a junkyard dog player next to LeBron. Expert cutter, crashing the boards, um, running on the break, guarding the hell out of people, right? Um, Washington has called for a different set of, you know, um, responsibilities for Kuzma, and he's adapted to that. So, you know, Kuzma personally, a guy who I like, um, whose game I like um, for its adaptability. I don't know that he would be some problem child because he had the brave, horrible New York winners. Um, and I say that as a, a New York City expat. But um, I don't know that I want to upset the apple car. And, you know, I just like what these guys are doing right now, collectively. Can, can I float a hypothetical by you, or really an either-or scenario? Mm-hmm. Let's say by the end of January, I'm going to tell you three things that are true right now. And you tell me which of them are most likely to continue through the end of January. One, RJ Barrett is hitting jumpers, hitting 35% of his threes right now. Is that a thing that can continue through the end of January? Two, Julius Randle's defensive effort and focus. He is still bought in. He's still playing hard. He's still defending. And three, Nick's opponents are making 26% of their uncontested threes. (laughs) <laughs> is that a thing that can continue courtesy RL pal Dan Devine uh, for that, who had a great write-up about the Knicks and their defense on Yahoo. But which of those things do you think can continue or would you expect to continue? I think RJ shot is going to continue to be average, which is damn good for the rest of the stuff that he provides for the team. Like 35% is an average NBA three point shooter with when you consider what he does on the ball and just whatever he's that's good for him i think he continue to be average this is his career number by the way so it's it's doable yeah so long as again he's getting his minutes and the results are bearing out in a in a nice positive way i think julius randall can continue to play hard we see we saw him do it 2 years ago it's not Absolutely. like it's, it's never happened obviously <laughs> The shot luck for the Knicks is going to run out at some point here. Um, It's just unsustainable that NBA shooters not named Russell Westbrook could shoot 26% on wide open threes. So, yeah, I I think the three-point luck thing, which I think is the point Rob was trying to get to, um, will not continue. But I think, yo, man, the type of – that Golden State game again, like they were just so much more engaged than Golden State. And I brought up the Draymond thing because – that's like a thing that Draymond takes pride in. Like, guys can't just back him down. Yeah. Be, you know, he came in as a tweener guy, undersized guy. And whenever he would go in the game, that's what most bigs would try to do. They would try to move him and put him underneath the basket. That's like a Draymond Green staple that you he doesn't let guys post him up, say, for like Jokic and like Boogie. It's like two guys, Boogie Cousins and Jokic, right? And so to watch Julius Randle just, just abusing him. As if he was some little first-year punk who hasn't gotten his NBA body yet. Uh, like, to me, again, that just speaks to the energy level. Where'd you rank him in, in the top 100 on our website, Rob? Was it 91? <laughs> Ju- Julius Randle? Yeah. You see, this is if I have the sole ownership of that list. That it's, it's strictly my jurisdiction on where he goes or doesn't go. You have a quarter equity, yeah. I do have, I do have some uh, equity. 
I can see Randall. Be, he looks engaged, man. I mean, who's to say long term? But like, I could see it lasting throughout the year. And I, I guess that's the point with with wondering whether or not they can make a short term move that doesn't really affect their future one way or another. Where it's like, I'm looking at the standings right now, and like, yeah, the Hawks we expect to be better. Maybe the Heat uh, get healthy, and all of a sudden they're they're cracking this top six. But everyone else is really soft in the East. I mean, the Pacers could easily go the other way the raptors are really struggling like now and then you just get into the dregs of the league so like the knicks surprisingly enough have an opportunity it's it's just what a crazy season this is we're probably two to three weeks ago we were talking about like the knicks they're a disaster what can they do next and now all of a sudden we just don't want to mess with their precious chemistry that they've meticulously built <laughs> over the <laughs> over this <laughs> win streak here. it's really really wild season that's a credit to them in a really chaotic conference and in a really chaotic season on top of it. Like, what does it take to take advantage of that opening? It takes diligence. It takes commitment. It takes buy-in on this kind of stuff that we're talking about. They're doing the exact right thing. And most importantly, they're doing the hard things. They're doing the things that NBA, like NBA players don't always want to do. And they're doing it at a really high level to a point where not only are they cleaning up like the blow buys and defending the really simple stuff, like they look really solid against pretty complex actions. So I really want to make a transition involving bing bong and like ding dong Christmas time is here, but I'm just going to let you guys know as a gift to all of you, I'm not going to do it. Thank you. I don't know that you get credit if you still mention it. You still implanted the seed in my brain. Well, you know, that's how we hedge here. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic for a limited time. You can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. All right. So I'll, I'll say this. I think for the longest time, I had a reputation in the Ringer offices as the person who didn't want to do the holiday theme shtick. Uh, and somehow I have just I've just completely gone over to the dark side because uh, here we are celebrating our first NBA Festivus uh, in which we are going to, as if, you, if you've seen Seinfeld, know, air some grievances. We're not going to do any feats of strength. We're not going to take our shirts off and fight. Although if anyone wants to pay for it, I am more than welcome to see Isaiah and Rob go at it. Um, <laughs> Patreon only. Patreon exclusive. Yeah, group chat <laughs> after dark explicitly on that one. I think that's an OnlyFans exclusive. Um, <laughs> So, all right, we're, we each brought some grievances we would like to air as as we do during Festivus. Um, who wants to start here? Rob, Rob, you seem like you have some gripes. I mean, I would love to, but I feel like I'm taking it away from you as the most gripey person <laughs> yeah, yeah, that maybe you are the I know. the most aggrieved person in NBA Twitter. This is your time. I call those opinions. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm sorry that I just have strong takes on things do you want me to start because i probably have one that's going to upset all of you i think i want to let you cook off the top 
Okay. This one's going to be difficult coming off of last night's slate. Uh, and, and recently, just because it feels like Nikola Jokic, every time I look up, he's putting up a stat line that you've never seen before. To so the point where I didn't even realize he had 13, 13, 13 last night. And, and it's a headline on ESPN.com. It must be a slow news day, but at the very least, these things just keep happening. He's playing really well. The Nuggets are currently best in the West. So I go in this saying that like, I almost think that Jokic might be playing his best basketball today, which is saying something. I am a, I am a Nikola Jokic fan first and foremost, but what I Are keep you? hearing over, okay. I love Jokic. I remember okay. telling nuggets people when he was just taking off, like how much I enjoyed watching him over Anthony Davis because I had to watch Davis day to day, but Jokic just like the passes <laughs> oh he was making, just exhilarating, etc. <laughs> There's the uh, okay, so there's okay, like grievances within grievances already. Hate ever, ever stop. Like, will, will your don't hate get, don't, for the don't get me Pelicans... down that path? I, I feel oh. like that that's a complete <laughs> myth that's that's been built. I have no, what? no no issue with with the Pelicans. No, I have an issue with people thinking that the Pelicans are like the best team in the world. This is why uh, so I, I wanted you team. to go first. No, this is why yeah, I wanted I'm, you to go first. You haven't even gotten I'm to your in, grievance <laughs> and you've aired four other grievances. It's grievesception. Yeah. Um, all right. So Jokic, let's, let's just start there. Let's focus. Uh, he's been talked about now as, as an MVP, not front runner per se, but he's definitely creeping up there. You could definitely see people toying with the idea of that take. And so, I'm a little miffed because this guy would be winning his third straight MVP and the list of players with three or more is eight. It is the absolute best players in NBA history. I just don't think that we should be talking about Jokic in the MVP conversation again, or let alone giving it to him uh, until he wins a title. I, I just like... You got to win something. We can't just keep rewarding this guy for, for regular season basketball. And then when it matters most, he doesn't It's not that he doesn't show up, but he just hasn't broken through there. I realize he's had injuries on his team, all this other stuff. But like, I think at a certain point, we need to start holding him accountable for some of the, the for broader what happened context. In the playoffs last year. Oh, you, you're the last one who should be talking about this considering you give NBA, all NBA out for guys with career, like just, just based on their career averages. <laughs> uh, no, it's just like, it's, it's wild to me that like, we're just, we're going to give it to him again when he hasn't won on the biggest stage. That's what I'll say. I mean, first, I don't know that anyone's going to give it to him again. Like he's playing very well. He is yes. a candidate. Yes. He's not being given the MVP. He's earning MVP consideration, yes, via his oh. play on the court. But yes, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Rob. I I interjected there. <laughs> no, I was uh, exactly where I was going. But more importantly, like this is a regular season award. Mm -hmm. What are mm -hmm. we talking about? So I I will say this: the the only thing that Justin has in his favor is that when Giannis won his two MVPs, everybody was like, "Fuck that! We're not giving him another MVP." Unless he wins a championship. That was yep. that was kind of the, the consensus around it for whatever reason, which I think is because we just have like a favorable opinion of overweight athletes. Even though Jokic is slimmed down, like we just look at Jokic as nice, cute, and cuddly, right? And so we don't come down as hard on him as we did to people like LeBron and Giannis or even... I got to say, even Luka Doncic, to a certain extent, it's like, all right, okay, you're not a cute and cuddly story anymore. You got to go out and you got to show and prove, right? Um, and so there's that. But as I was mentioning with Derrick Rose's narrative-driven MVP about the humble Chicago hometown kid, he's doing it for his hometown. He barely speaks to anybody. Oh, he's so great. He's so much less bombastic than that arrogant bastard LeBron James who had the nerve to switch teams in free agency. Oh, we got to give it to D-Rose, even though he was like the fifth best player in the league if that, that year, right? What I love about the NBA is we don't do this narrative-driven shit. If you no, we have vote based on what Zach Lowe says, yeah. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Now, now we throwing darts at the great Zach Lowe. I don't, no, I don't no, no, it's not, it's not. It's not a dart at Zach. It's just that nobody actually has an opinion, and they just follow 
what like the the trendsetters do. Like if someone's like, oh, actually Jokic is is the guy because of that, everyone just follows suits because they I will don't say this: the last time we had an even kind of narrative driven MVP was Russell Westbrook, and you could easily argue that he was deserving of the award. Like if Jok, I don't think Jokic is the MVP right now. Just to be clear, it's Giannis, in my opinion. However, if the guy plays at an MVP level, he should deserve consideration for the award. It's not about, oh, he didn't win the championship. Oh, he hasn't done it on the biggest stage. Like, he's playing. Like, the Nuggets guys are missing games left and right. The one constant is him. They're number one in the West. I get, I get that the West is topsy-turvy and weird right now. But to say that he's out of contention because he hasn't won a championship. I just don't think that's fair. It has nothing to do with the fact that I'm completely in the tank for the Nuggets and I picked them to win a championship this year. It's nothing to do with that, Justin, <laughs> at all. You're kind of you're kind of making my point though, because I think part of it is the past two that he won. I don't know that he was such an overwhelming favorite that Wow. Uh, yeah, like I, I think it has become more of an eye of the beholder sort certain thing. Like, I think you could have credibly argued for Giannis and then like maybe like certain injuries happen that allowed Jokic's case to to rise to the fore in certain instances. But like that, I guess what, that's what I'm saying. If we're saying that there are there is so much competition, if Tatum is just as, as credible of a candidate, if Giannis is just as credit, uh, credible of a candidate, I am going to lean toward Giannis and Tatum over Jokic. And maybe that's voter fatigue. I'll, I'll admit it. But I also think part of it is like at a certain point, like we can't keep rewarding someone when they haven't proven it on the biggest stage. It's just a weird argument to make about a guy who's been a like an balls out playoff performer. Like he's been incredible every time he's in the playoffs. Yeah, that's the this, key. This isn't like you know early career Demar Derozan who just. I think he's, he's been, been fine defensively. defensively. He's, he's been, been it, fine. Well, that's, that's the fine. But he's been we're good like enough to hairs. win. He's been good enough to win. Again, we're talking uh, about... And I don't I think know about that, that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Why and are we talking the about the playoffs? Why here's are we the thing about, about Giannis, too, as the previous example. Giannis was playing worse in the playoffs. He was playing worse than the standard that he set in the regular season. I'm talking about before that championship that he won against Phoenix. Sure. He was playing worse in the playoffs. And it was looking ugly. It was these air balls. And he's running into defenders. And people were like, maybe this guy doesn't know how to play against the most locked-in defenses. And he's only doing this in the regular season against, you know, a bunch of Knicks and Sacramento Kings to bad his stats. That was sort of the idea. Jokic in the playoffs, to Rob's point, is... Arguably even better. He's he's he shoots more. He scores more. He's better in the playoffs. So, so uh, he, yeah, I'm with Rob. They go from so they go from like the 24th defense where they are now to like what the standard of like the 20th defense when we're supposed to fucking reward this guy. Like, congrats. Like we're splitting hairs. Like th I think that's my overall point. It's like it it is tougher than ever before to award someone the MVP in part because we just know so much, right? There are just stats that people come up with often to buoy the case of Jokic, I'll, I'll point out, where it's just like, <laughs> I didn't even know these things fucking existed, but we're just like, all right, I guess this this works for him. Uh, but I think at some point we have to draw a line. Eight players in NBA history with three or more MVPs, all of them have won a title. I'm just saying... At the point where your argument is that math is biased to you, I think you've gone off the rails. <laughs> I, th I think the simple math is my favorite, where the, the nugs are 24th this is, on, this on defense. This is Justin Stugatz barrier <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> stepping into the circle. Um, and here's another thing about Jokic, right? I don't think... He's even monopolizing possessions in the way that he can, in the way that I would actually, quite frankly, like to see him do. So if he started doing that, these numbers, it wouldn't even, it, like, it's ridiculous. It wouldn't even be a question who was winning this MVP. He's in this conversation while being probably, outside of Steph Curry, the most democratic, egalitarian superstar that there is today. He doesn't hold the ball all day. He lets people cook, and he's still hitting you with these 
whatever you want, advanced metrics, your traditional triple-double stuff, whatever the hell you want, however you want to slice it, this guy's playing at a top three level. Come on, man. We got egalitarian. We we got Jokic yes. defense. We're, we're getting to the Yo, blogger triple-double here. Jokic is for the people, <laughs> yes. Jokic is for right. the people. Jokic is about the proletariat. That's right. <laughs> I, have a, I have a splinter grievance. Um, okay. Yes, please take us away from, from this. <laughs> who is who is leading the league in scoring right now? Is it Luca? It's not Luca. Is it Steph? It's not Steph. Oh, I don't know. Who is it? It's a guy who I am mystified why we do not talk about him more. And that's our good friend Joel Embiid. Mm. And I say that as a collective we, as a larger media body. And yeah. this this is tied into the Jokic thing where Justin, you're right. Jokic is getting a lot of MVP buzz right now. He's getting a lot of conversation. All I see from Joel is one of the most dominant players in the league this season who has made a staggering difference for the Sixers virtually regardless of who is on the floor around him, who's injured, who's in and out of the lineup. And I just see nothing. Like, I don't see coverage. This, this is, I don't see is, conversation. This is, where, this is where I wear my hypocrite hat, Rob. <laughs> Do it in the playoffs. I don't give a shit. Oh. Do it in the playoffs. Oh, come on. <laughs> Jesus. I don't yeah, give she- a shit. This guy, he, oh, he consistently <laughs> plays worse in the playoffs. Joel Embiid always is worse than his regular season form in the playoffs. That's every single year he's doing that. And I'm not going Ben Simmons with it like he did on JJ's show, where he's like, well, did we talk about Joel not playing that well? Which, which, by the way, my favorite podcast appearance of every podcast. I'm talking about Mike White on NPR. Like, I'm talking about in life. (laughs) Ben Simmons on the JJ Reddick podcast, basically defending himself. Um, Quite outlandishly, right is hilarious. But yeah, like Joel, I like Joel doesn't play good in the playoffs. Not I shouldn't say he doesn't play well. He plays well for the standard of NBA centers. He does not play up to his 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 um capabilities in the playoffs. So that's why I'm a, a little bit more like, yeah, miss me with Joel. I need to solicit the group chat fans out there. I need someone to go back and get the old footage. The classic John Kerry flip-flopping meme of him windsurfing one way and then windsurfing the other way. And I need us to Photoshop Waz's head on that. I need us to, to I need the world to understand what Waz just did on this podcast. Like, why is he not a leading MVP candidate himself? Well, he led the league in scoring last year and we didn't give it to him. Because Jokic I- led the league in Schmergers or whatever the fuck oh, people came boy. up with. To, Here we to go. His candidacy. No, I mean, I, th- I think the problem is people are probably just tired of the Sixers. It's a drag to talk about the Sixers. It's a drag oftentimes to watch the Sixers, uh, although their overtime win against uh, uh, the Raptors the other night was was pretty thrilling, I guess, at times. Um, and like he, they just keep talking shit. Like he just threw an elbow at the Raptors on the way out. Basically, like they don't want to win. They just want to defend the best players really hard. Like I, I do think to a certain extent, like. Joel's shtick gets old, especially if he's not going to win at the highest levels. And there's a sense that his team is underachieving. Like, there was great expectations about the moves that Maury finally put together for this team. And, you know, they finally have pieces that make sense and wings that can make an open three and deep people up and blah, 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 blah. And it was supposed to be this fantastic season. And that just has not been the case. Of course, James Harden's missed a lot of time. And Bede, you know, recovering from an injury that we basically had no idea about from the offseason. And so there's a sense that they're underachieving, right? And so I understand why people are just like, yeah, I'm good. But if they're underachieving and then you look under the hood and you see this guy who almost single-handedly has them as a top five defense, almost single-handedly makes them one of the best foul-drawing teams in the league, who's been more efficient than Jokic in the post, who's been one of the best mid-range scorers in basketball, I feel like like he's the thing holding it together, you know? Like I, for 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 any gripe you could have about the Sixers and it's whether it's how they're constructed, how they're coached, how they play. They've had injuries. Like Harden and Maxi both missed significant time. Like Joel is the thing that is making that team good and they are good. Like I keep wanting to quit them and then you look up and for example, they have a dramatically better like a uh, point differential than the Nuggets a team who I think a lot of people feel really good about right now, like the direction Denver is headed. And by the numbers, Philadelphia has been flat better. 
Like that's just what's happening. And Joel Embiid is the reason for it. Respect. It's the game's missed too, right? Uh, we should point out like he misses so much time that it's hard to advocate him ultimately, advocate for him ultimately. And like, I'm often worried that I missed like a three game stretch where he just sat out because he needed the backyotomy or something. It, it, at a certain point, it, again, to, to my overall point with Jokic, like it is splitting hairs. And often the case with Joel is, is he never plays 70 games. So it's tough to really make the defense for him. I'll say that. I mean, I think I'm right even overall. fine with, I'm even fine with that. Like if you want to bring him up and then disqualify him based on eventual games played, I'm fine with it. But like he needs, he needs to be a fixture in these conversations. Okay. Rob, Not uh, was, <laughs> <laughs> um honestly uh, my 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 first grievance which was not like so hyper specific to players but just being generally bumped out about the injuries uh Steph and AD who were playing at MVP levels going out both of them about to probably miss a month and part of this too um why I'm feeling bummed out about it is talking to a lot of casuals as I do about my freaking job um and this sense out there that you know and yes this is an extremely casual take that the NBA regular season doesn't matter right like normal people just can't they just they're just like I turned on TNT last night and Jamal Murray's not playing for whatever freaking reason. And we don't know who's going to play when. We don't even know when these games are airing. Um, we don't know how much these games are impacting anything for the future. Blah, 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 blah. Like, um, just hearing that stuff all the time is is whatever. It's just what you hear. But honestly, like now that when I, I don't, I'm not, I don't feel compelled to watch the Warriors play. Right. Like, I don't feel compelled to watch the Lakers play. I have to essentially on my league pass stuff is just like, all right, young guys, basically the Pacers, um, <laughs> which young guys am I interested in? And, you know, whenever the good teams happen to match up with each other. And I think the injury stuff, man, it's really a bummer. Like you mentioned Harden and Maxi and all of these consequential guys on teams that we think are supposed to matter. Uh, it's really tough with this injury stuff. And, you know, I'm not going to say this for the last time. I really think we need to do something about the NBA regular season. I really do feel that way. So are you aggrieved by the league office for the length of the season? Yes. By Darvin Ham for playing Anthony Davis too much? By AD for trying too hard? Like, who? I need some direction here. So I'm, I'm, I'm more aggrieved by the league office. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the people that's most down on Adam Silver that there is. I know he's like a great liberal, allegedly liberal progressive person, allegedly. Um, but I just think he's not been an excellent commissioner. I just don't. And some of this stuff is corralling the NBA owners. Like, that's part of your job, right? Like, as middle management for their operation, part of your job is corralling these guys and being like, look, these are the, there's certain things we need to undertake to make this product more appealing. And, you know, the part, like, the, the schedule is ridiculous. Like, we want to see AD play the way that he played, but when you're playing three games in five nights, like, and drink at home, again, people, but, like, this doesn't happen in something like professional soccer. You're not going to play three incredibly grueling matches in five nights or two in a row. Like, this is this is not a thing. Everybody understands that there needs to be rest and recovery for these guys to play at their peak. And then when guys are of a certain age, it's just literally impossible to play 82 games as hard as you can at the level you're capable of playing at, right, without eventually getting to this AD stuff. And so, yeah, man, I'm, I'm not going to stop beating this drama. Like, I don't think we need 82 games. Um, the fact that people don't even think about this shit outside of us, who, let's face it, we're maniacs about the NBA, uh, that people don't even think about this. So, like, what are we starting this season at that time, at that date for? And even if we do start it then, why don't we have a schedule where these games are more spread out and make them uh, a more scarce product and make them more consequential? Like, these games need to have consequences when, like, literally, there's just a game the next day. It's like, you know, I watched Golden State get smoked by the Knicks. 
And if you're a Warriors fan, it's like, yeah, whatever. I got the next game. You know, like immediately, right? Like I listen to, you know, I listen to a decent amount of football podcasts, right? And I want to say up until Wednesday, they're still obsessing about the shit that happened on Sunday. And I get it. Football is an extreme case of how like artificially limited the um, product is, right? Like football is really extreme. I get that. But there's just something to the churn of the regular season. I think just... They need some vision on this, man. I'm going to love it and watch it no matter what. I'm going to watch the Pistons play the Hornets because I'm a sicko. I'm a psychopath, right? But, like, normal people can't just grab onto this stuff. Yeah, on the one hand, I'm really excited for whatever mid-season, early-season tournament they come up with. But I'm starting to become increasingly more afraid of what happens around that tournament. First of all, you need to incentivize the players enough that they give a shit during this tournament, that the tournament package actually works. But I wonder what's going to happen to everything around that. The games before that, the games after it, the games in February around the trade deadline, the games in April. Like, Are we going to shut players down more just to make this one little stretch way more exciting and does that add even more complications to the issue you're talking about because like i don't think it's even casual fans even more i think it's like regular fans it's even me like on the one hand i think this is one of the best regular seasons in recent history i think every night you could turn it on and you could find a really good game To, to your point about the hornets and us it's not just us being freaks Hornets Kings was a legitimately thrilling game. Like the Hornets look good again. And I'm like, I'm excited to see more of LaMelo ball, but I think it's tough when all of a sudden you turn on a game. It's like, Oh, this guy's not there. Oh, Booker's out tonight. Oh, this guy's getting rest. This guy's it. It is becoming a little daunting. I think even for, for us. Yeah. It's not a great season structure, you know, like, and there's lots of things you can cut down. Like, obviously you want players to be available. You need a way to shorten the schedule while still maintaining revenue. And I would argue that teams are leaving a lot of money on the table as it is by having like 70% attended regular season games in the thick of the season. Like what if every game was actually a sellout and not just a reported sellout, which is what teams (laughs) often do, but an actual sellout. And honestly, one model on the opposite end of the grievance spectrum, like credit to the league for doing this like home series scheduling this year. Well, you'll see we're going to play two games in Minnesota yeah. Monday and Wednesday this Smart. week. And and we've seen some of the benefit of that, like with new Orleans and Phoenix, for example, where you get a really competitive matchup and guess what? They're going to play again in a couple days. Like that's the version of the NFL model for me that the NBA can adopt is you're condensing the schedule. You're condensing the travel. You're focusing these games and these matchups in a way that to your point was like, we're going to be talking about this matchup for 10 straight days because these teams are going to play three times in that stretch. Like that's fun. Like that is an engaging and consistent product. I love the idea of that, but I don't think it's worked as well as when the Suns and and the Pelicans, like it did recently in part, because if a guy is out, if like James Harden and Tyrese Maxey are out for this series against, let's just say the Hawks, like you're not going to get that game again later in the season when those guys are back in. And so you've kind of missed the window for that. And so I almost wonder if of all the absences almost make that worse, you know, I could see it. I I guess I see that as unavoidable, frankly, like guys are going to miss games to a certain extent. You want to minimize it to the, the best that you can. And yes, that doesn't make it better for, you know, a fan in a city who really only wants to see LeBron James this season if LeBron's going to miss the one tour that the Lakers have through the city. That part is tough, but I, I don't know how to steer around that per se. Man, there's enough stars yeah. in the league. I don't think that's a thing, right? Like, if you really want to see stars, like, if you miss LeBron, you get to catch Ja, you get to catch Giannis, you get to catch Luka, you get to catch Jokic, Justin. Um, you get to you get to catch you know a, a bevy of stars if you miss LeBron. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. But yeah, I know that that's, I'm beating a dead horse or a broken drum or whatever the metaphor is. Um, but I, I, the regular season, it it the churn is overwhelming. Yeah. Well, someone just paid four billion dollars for a franchise. So I don't think they're we're gonna get any games taken oh, away. Oh, I'm gonna get into too. that. <laughs> Do you want to you want to do it right now? Yeah, that's another one of my my grievances. Um, the the own the new owner sort of honeymoon period where we have to talk about how the guy made his money. Um, 
And uh, be, because it's just what it is. Like, rich guy pays a lot of money for this thing. How, how is he rich? And it's like, yeah, he's a billionaire mortgage lender. And then we just move on. And then we just move on, right? Like, in, in the midst of a fucking housing crisis here in L.A. and just in um, California broadly, uh, we just do the billionaire, just honeymoon spree, buys a team for $4 billion. Um, Yeah, he's a billionaire mortgage lender with no commentary, no thought, no nothing, just... We're glad the racist, misogynist, sexist guy is gone. Now we've got a billionaire mortgage lender. It's just, this shit just makes me sick. And I know normal people don't care or don't want to have to consider these things or think about it. But it's just like, you know, while we're turning, deifying these fucking rich guys, um, do we, we ain't got to do it in the NBA. Yeah, they got a new owner. He says he's going to spend. He says he's going to do this. Let's move on. That's just that's just that's just a personal wise grievance right there. <laughs> I mean, it really does pay to not be Robert Sarver. Like that in itself yeah. is such a virtue <laughs> that it's incredible. Yeah. Um, should I go? Yeah. What you got? Okay. Prepare yourself. Um, so obviously I watch a lot of NBA games, and I find myself these days having to mute the TV anytime a sideline mid-game <laughs> interview comes on. You know the feeling you get when you're watching something with your parents back in the day and like maybe like some nudity comes on the screen and your skin just crawls? <laughs> that is how I feel watching some of these sideline reporters, all of whom are, are I, the ones I know are great people, consummate professionals, but the gig is such shit because all they have to do is try to extract useless information from coaches who are not going to give them any insight that is not relevant to any viewer because it doesn't add anything to the program. And so maybe it's PTSD from having to do the same job, just not with a camera in my face, but just trying to watch that process just makes me so goddamn uncomfortable that I literally cannot watch it or listen to it anymore the only good one I would say is Stephanie Reddy, now of TNT, who asks such basic questions because she's not trying to overdo it and impress the coach or the viewer with their brilliant, like, well, I noticed that you have a 21% offensive rebound percentage. And, and I, what does that mean for your, your moving offense and yada, yada, yada. It's just more like, Hey, uh, you're scoring a lot. Like what, what's led to that? And you actually get a decent response. Uh, but the whole process is broken. I think we need to just do away with sideline interviews. I don't know why it's still happening. Uh, and at least for me, I am no longer engaging with the product. So you're just trying to destroy jobs. That's what I was going to say. That's literally what I was going to say. Middle management barrier rears yep. its ugly head again. Here we go again. Cutting jobs, trying to cut costs at all at all costs. Um yeah, the sideline thing is 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 bogus. Um, it's been that. I think, I, I you know, I like a few other people in the media were slightly annoyed by how much fawning people did for Pop for like dissing people and being an asshole to them during those oh, interviews. Same. Um, same. It was unprofessional and stupid when he was doing it. However, it did shine a light on what a farce the whole situation is. It's like these guys can't tell you what they're trying to do just as a matter of like, they're trying to win the game, like, right? So you're not getting anything out of it. And I think we could kick to those people um, and they could give us interesting tidbits that, you know, the guys that are on the broadcast call don't have. No problem. But the actual back and forth with a coach is is stupid. And, and, and guess what? Like, even people like, Steve Kerr, who is like the most genteel, he worked in the media, so he's always going to try to be like really accommodating. Kerr ain't giving you shit. And it's Steve yeah. Kerr. like, And he wants to like engage these people and make it like more like a back and forth. And he understands the job and all of that. He's a really, he's a real empath that way. And even Steve Kerr ain't giving you shit. So yeah, I think Justin's right about this. It's an unquestionably hard job for all the reasons you guys laid out. Like, just hard to get good information. Yes. It's not a coincidence that Stephanie Reddy is very good at it, being a former coach herself. I don't think it's just 
the simple framing of her questions. I think it's, she knows which things a coach can and will engage with because she can think of it from that other side, which I think is important. But I'm, I'm with you on the format, like getting them in the heat of the game is not conducive to good answers. I do think that like the pre-recorded stuff that broadcasts get from coaches before the game, like in the morning of the day before at practice, whatever, like exclusive access that way, you're just going to get better color and better content and a coach who's in a more thoughtful frame of mind. Like I think for the sake of not getting all the sideline interviewers in the league fired as Justin clearly wants to do, <laughs> I would simply, I would simply propose you, you change the parameters of when these coaches are being interviewed to, to get something that's a little healthier to actual dialogue. You had uh 20 points in the paint. What do you like ab- about your scoring <laughs> on the inside here? Yeah, no, they went, passed it inside, and that player scored. I think we should we should start a recurring bit where sometime in the middle of the podcast, Isaiah cuts in and starts asking you questions about the takes you just gave. God, it's at the point where if like I'm in the kitchen and I hear it, like I I have to rush to the TV and because it just makes me so uncomfortable for all parties. Also, not great that you get the picture in picture taking away the game so that you can see the sideline interview. Not ideal right. either. Oh my goodness. Uh, Rob, do you have any more? Oh yeah. I mean, I have a similarly kind of micro grievance, which is, you know, there's been a, an interesting little trend this season of players trying to drain the clock while preserving the shot clock by rolling the ball oh, in bounds. Oh, shit. Oh my God. Guys, we got to relax with rolling the ball. Like this is a thing that I think the Celtics in particular were doing a lot earlier in the season. A lot of teams have started doing it more and more. You know, inside the last four minutes, you're protecting an eight-point lead. I get it. When you're doing it in the second quarter, the sole purpose is, look how clever I'm being. Look how clever I'm being by not letting you touch the ball to start this possession. I, I have no time for it. Like, just just pick up the ball. Let's. It's the second quarter. Please, let's go. It's in the, oh, look at me, I'm smart category of the take foul. It's like, oh, look how smart I am. I just stopped the transition. It's like, no, you're not. Schroeder did it the other night and it actually was effective because they let like 20 seconds go off the clock and it actually led to a, a Lakers win. I'm, I'm just confused why it's a rule. Like it, it very clearly is, is a Chris Paul type working within the margins of the, <laughs> of the gray area of the rules. Uh, I, I don't know why it's still in existence. Do people just not care enough? Does it not have enough of an impact that like I just, people I, aren't I don't think arguing people against were it? Doing it? Not enough people were doing it, so it's not as visible. But now if teams like, you know, if the Orlando Magic were doing this in a bunch of games, a team that, let's face it, nobody watches, uh, I don't think it would be a thing. But when the Celtics and like um, John Morant likes to do this, like when the most prominent teams are doing it, that's when it's going to get people's attention. I think part of the reason it happens and part of the reason the rule exists the way it does is because you don't want to create scenarios in which, say, for example, there's 1.3 seconds left in the game and you're throwing an inbound pass. The clock needs to start when the ball touches somebody's hand and not when it's in the air. But time box the rule. Like within the last two minutes, let's have a certain rule with the rest of the game. Let's have an actual sensible one. Right. Or it could just be when it hits something, like if it hits the court. There you go. That could, that could figure it out um anyone else have anything um just you know again just not a grievance but something i'm bummed out about world cup being over uh just a fantastic (laughs) tournament um even even though i was rooting for the french because they have the most black guys out of the non-african nations uh so i was rooting for france for that sole bias and purpose only and, you know, I thought it would be funny to see Messi lose um, his last World Cup match, just coming sh- short again. Seeing him win and seeing the just jubilation and the outpouring of emotion amongst Argentinians and people who support the Argentinian team was just really heartening, honestly. It was really cool to see that um, Mbappe so graceful, even in defeat. And, you know, I have to apologize to my my friends who are PSG fans. I was just doing a lot of Erlen Holland chat 
I was like, this kid is, is, is he's the future. He's better than Killian. Like, stop it. This guy's going to break all these goal records, yada, yada, yada. Nah, Erling Holland, I love him to death. He's my baby um, from Viking country, but he's not fucking with Mbappe. I'm just, I'm just generally going to miss 7 a.m. matches, uh, you know, even stuff like Saudi Arabia just winning a match against Argentina, right? Like the Morocco run. It was just incredible, man. So I'm just, I'm really bummed out that the World Cup has come to an end. However... Premier League and Champions League are coming right back around the corner. And so I'm, I'm still, Soccer Wise is still back, y'all. Well, that's been this episode of 22 Goals with Brian Phillips. Join <laughs> us again next time. Shouts to Brian Phillips. Great freaking podcast. One of the best things we do in here. But so the grievance is that we make you talk about basketball? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The passage of time. That's the grievance, man. I get I get wistful. Time moves so fast once you get older. Rob, you'll realize this. I know you're still a young man, but when you get washed up like me and Justin, <laughs> oh man, time just goes so quickly. And yeah, I just I just reminisce on the great things that happened. But yeah, World Cup, a lot of great memories. With with um, family members watching this stuff, uh, calling my brother after Brazil got got roasted because I don't know if people know this, but like pretty much every single island nation um, in the Caribbean, like they root for the Brazil, <laughs> like like in the World Cup, like that's their team. It's like it's it's crazy. Uh, so like yeah, calling family members after they lost, just a fun time. All right. So after 10 minutes on soccer, I think we should uh, pivot to our final segment just to keep this rolling around here. Um, One suggestion box for the holidays here. And as always, today's suggestion box is presented by Chase Freedom Unlimited. Unlimited 1.5% cash back is just the beginning. Earn 5% on travel purchased through Chase, 3% on dining, including takeout. 3% 3% at drugstores and 1.5% on everything else. How do you cash back? Learn more at chasefreedom.com. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by JP Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Uh, Isaiah, producer Isaiah, what is on the docket today for our suggestion box? So today we are taking a question from Steve Allen. His question is, if you could rig the 2023 NBA draft to have any team with the number one pick, uh, David Stern style, what team in the NBA would you place <laughs> Victor Wembanyama on and why he would pick? He thinks the Knicks are a perfect fit. Wait, can you can you actually read uh, the Stern part again? Because there were some specific <laughs> parts that you uh, you you passed over. Oh, did I did I miss something there? Uh, <laughs> to have any team with the number one pick on some David Stern ish RIP as well. What team in the NBA would you place Victor <laughs> Wembanyama on and why? <laughs> <laughs> laughing crying emoji r.i.p as well and emoji uh, in an email is terrific but yeah <laughs> yeah uh thank you to steve allen I, I think we should narrow this down to teams that are specifically in the Wemby race yeah. so uh, the knicks as, as we outlined seem like they're not going to be close um but among like the lower level teams rob does does anyone stick out is is one that could really like not just use web and yama but he would be great to see there what what about teams that could be lower level teams? Sure, let's do it. I mean, I'm just thinking like, what what do I want with Victor Webanyama? I want some perimeter support. I want a great playmaker. I kind of want to see him on the Indiana Pacers mm. as as a as a Miles Turner successor. Mm. And sure, they can play together for a year if you want, if you can like f- figure out some kind of extension with Turner. If you want to just free Miles Turner and let him go get his Justin Verrier endorsed max contract somewhere else, you can do that. But I just like him as like the, the finishing piece for, for that group. That's that's a lot of what they need. And maybe maybe that's being too generous because maybe maybe that core is too good already to get Victor and to really get in that race. But hey, if we're rigging it, I'm going to rig it right. And I'm going to rig it for the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, I mean, the the real answer for me is that I don't really care as long as he's not in Utah or the Prairie. But if I would have to did have to pick a team, um, it would absolutely be the Detroit Pistons. Um, I realized that there was a lot of Cade hype coming into the season. He's hurt. Um, he's basically gone for the season now, which sucks. 
uh, for their development. But I just think their core is incredible right now as far as young guys, especially as Rob says, perimeter talent. Yes, they've drafted like 70 centers in the past three years. I don't care. As soon as Wembenyama comes, he's going to be the guy at center. So, yeah, I would love to see him and Cade. That would just be incredible. Um, and then I wouldn't mind seeing him on the Hornets. Uh, mm. with with uh, Lamelo Ball, that 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 to me would be really cool to watch. But definitely my number one number one pick is the Detroit Pistons. So my thing is, I don't think a team that has had the number one pick recently should have it again. Like mm. I think we should be dispersing these guys throughout the league. And I, I honestly, when guys are first entering the league, I want to see them cut their teeth and and forge their own path before they form some sort of star duo or team up with some guy on some other team. And so I think the Pistons should be out. I think the Pelicans, despite the schadenfreude of the Lakers handing over Victor Webb and Yama to New Orleans would be historic. Uh, I don't think they should because they have Zion. And so like the Spurs make a lot of sense to me. Uh, It might be a little weird uh, parking one of the, the elite talents in one of the smallest markets in the NBA, but maybe the Tony Parker connection can can pay off. I think he actually played for Parker's team in Lyon uh, originally. So there's there's a pipeline there. There's a connection. There's an easy story that Rob can write first year uh, of of nice. Wemby. Um, Magic, same thing. Like yeah, they've got Bancaro. Like like let let them do that. Like the Wizards would be nice. Maybe the Raptors are probably the elite fit here. Where it's like yeah, you have Barnes, but if you decide to pull the plug, like let's bring Webanyama to our favorite multinational club uh, in in the NBA. So those would be on the top of my list. Yeah, I thought about Orlando a lot, but I feel, weirdly, I don't feel guilty about displacing Miles Turner, maybe because he's a trade target all the time, but I do feel kind of guilty about potentially displacing Wendell Carter, who's been Ooh, really good and really important. Bull. Well, I assume, I mean, look, I'm just assuming they can play together. Like, Bull Bull's basically, like, who is the three on that team? I could not tell you on a regular basis, uh, just based on this season, much less if they had Victor, but I'd love to see it. Bowl at point guard. Why not? All right, let's um let's wrap the suggestion box there. Today's suggestion box was again presented by Chase Freedom Unlimited. Earn big time with Chase Freedom Unlimited. Earn five percent on travel purchased through Chase, three percent on dining, including takeout, three percent at drugstores, and one point five percent on everything else. How do you cash back? Chase, make more of what's yours. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by JP Morgan Chase Bank NA, member FDIC. Uh thank you to producer Isaiah for uh, production on this podcast, as well as reading our suggestion box. Isaiah, actually, I have one more thing before we go. What did you think about uh, about the Jokic grievance? Jokic for MVP three times in a row. Are you with oh, it? Oh, God. He's, he's it just seems this. too much. If they finish top in the West, though, I think it's valid. Here we go. By the way, just so listeners know, Very already knew where Isaiah stood <laughs> on this topic, and he brought him in just for the, the backup. That's it. This is he when you get that, shut that down by two other people and you're desperate for some support. <laughs> Isaiah, I don't like him use, using you as a prop like this. I'm sorry. Also, when me to the Thunder, we need him in chat. We need that. And Poku. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Three, four, five. Wow. Great Gen Z take. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, until then, happy holidays to everyone. Uh, Enjoy the Christmas Day basketball. See you then. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little 
sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 